Hey everyone, I'm Patrick Jones, and welcome to episode 61 of That Gives Me Anxiety. Just getting out of the shower here on Monday night, so if you're watching the video, got a, a bit of a look like Todd from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> Not a compliment, you know. <laughs> had, a, had a solid weekend. Started to get my office set up a little bit more. You can see, if you're again, if you're watching the video, you can see over my shoulder here. And if you're not, and if you're listening on a, an audio medium, you know, I'll describe it to you. But hanging on the wall behind me is a painting that I painted one of the times that I was in a really deep depression. I couldn't feel anything. I felt numb and, and really sad at the same time. And so, yeah, it was a rough stretch. And I, I just had the impulse to paint. Actually, I painted a series, but and they all incorporated this faceless stick figure thing which is how I felt it it was just like a it was just interesting it, it, it made sense in my brain that this is how I felt right like how to convert the feeling to something on a canvas so I've just hung on to it as a as a reminder and yeah now I'm proud to have it over my shoulder and you can check it out if you're watching the video on YouTube but other than that, other things are moving. I was able to, I don't know if, it, if it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out, but I made a new trailer. I mean, I realized the trailer was from before I was even releasing episodes. So <laughs> it's a lot of me just being like, excuse me, I'm, I think the podcast is basically going to be this. That's weak. But yeah, exciting to, I mean, I have uh, 60 episodes. This is episode 61, so I can actually pull clips and, and put together a nice little trailer. So People who don't know what this podcast is can get a better sense of it. Well, I've got a great episode lined up. It's part two about asking for a raise with negotiation expert Fotini Iconopoulos and my friend Matt Revere. Before we get to part two, I just want to remind you that you can check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube or YouTube. If you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it on the platform. Five stars, a little blurb about it you could write it would be really helpful for boosting the the show in in the different algorithms there's a buy me a coffee link in the description where you can send a tip my way if if you're so inclined that's always appreciated when people do that and then there's also the partnership with pure spectrum cbd who offer the promo code anxiety pod for 15 percent off i personally use i use a lot of their stuff at this point <laughs> the solves Salves, your guess is, uh, no, you, you probably know how to pronounce it, and you're just laughing at me mispronouncing it, but covering my bases. Um, I, I've been using their moisturizer and uh, CBD gummies, and, and I love it. I'm so happy with the product. It just helps me calm and, and meet the challenges of the day, and I, I've been using the moisturizer before going to bed, just nice to calm all your muscles as you jump into bed and, and hopefully get some sleep. So yeah, thank you so much to Pure Spectrum CBD for sponsoring the show. Again, promo code ANXIETYPOD for 15% off. Well, now I think it's time to get to the interviews. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. This is part two of 
talking about the anxiety associated with asking for a raise. I have with me again, Matt Revere. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be back. Yeah, I don't know why I, I like settled into like a Wisconsin accent there. How are you? <laughs> you know, when you're when you're here in Chicago, you know, you know, I'm in Chicago. So you, you try to speak the native, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I just want to be like so badly that I changed myself. Yeah. <laughs> and to remind everyone, I also interviewed Fotini Iconopoulos, who's an expert negotiator. And uh, yeah, so we're talking a little bit about the anxiety associated with asking for a raise. And to remind everyone, Matt, why don't you tell us what you do again? Yeah, thanks so much. So primarily, I focus on helping and supporting minority and women-owned small businesses and anything they need from uh, capital to technical assistance. Uh, we're here to help them. That's awesome. And uh, if you haven't listened to it already, Matt is the expert in the starting a small business episode. So you can listen to the whole thing to get his expertise. But but coming back to asking for a raise, I mean, do you provide, I, I'd imagine a small, a small business owner has to wear so many different hats um, yeah. and hiring is, is a, is a part of that do you mm -hmm. offer, I mean, I wouldn't know how to do that. Do you offer any insight to these people that you work with in terms of hiring people and, and what they need and, and how to manage employees? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when you're a small business and you first start making those initial hires, the first employee that you hire, that's a huge step. That's mm -hmm. a massive step. And we always say, you know, look for... A wrong hire, especially early in your business, can be very detrimental to your business. Right. And so you wanna, you know, and you want to find someone that has that same passion and for the small business that you do. Mm -hmm. And that's the really the number one factor you want to look for, as well as technical skills, things of that nature. Pay and support, obviously, you don't want to put your business in a place that it's going to put you in a tough spot economically. However, you know, a dollar or two more an hour, you may see much more increased productivity, as well as getting that correct person you're looking for at those initial stages. A dollar or two more an hour is, is certainly worth the stress that it would alleviate if you get the person that's like ready to hustle and, and build build it with you. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you hire a full time employee, you know, sometimes it's going to that's maybe not the right match for you. It's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of anguish on you. And, you know, you're like you said, they're already wearing so many hats. You don't want another one that's a stressful, underperforming employee. Right. You got to trust. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that in the last interview that you're going through a, a salary negotiation right now. What was the level of preparedness that you are, are bringing to that? Like, are you, what are you looking at and, and how are you arriving at a, whatever numbers in, in your head and you don't have to share? Yeah, that absolutely. So I think there, well, the first thing I'm doing is preparedness is again, the conversation of my, my annual review won't be happening to mid-March. Mm -hmm. And so that's about 10 weeks away. And I've already started getting ready for it. I've already had some conversations. I've written out talking points and I'm already making my case now. Now, in terms of the number that I'm looking for, you want to make sure you pick a number. It can't be obviously out of whack. And a lot of companies you want to look at, luckily our company that does alleviate some of the stress, which is really great, is that they have transparent salaries oh, in our nice. organization. 
which is really great and it helps with a lot. So let's say you're a manager and you're moving to senior manager, you kind of already understand within a range what that pay will be. Mm-hmm. And so that that alleviates the number aspect a lot. If your organization does not do that, I would say one, find out what's comparable for your job on the marketplace. There's tons of resources like that, like Glassdoor mm-hmm. and whatnot. And two, you know, if you are close with a coworker, I know companies very shy away from this. I know people shy away with this, but if you are comfortable, talk about your salaries with each other. I think that that's a great tool. There's no laws against it. There may be a social taboo around it and I'm not sure why, but I really think people need to start talking more open, honest and freely about money mm-hmm. and how it impacts them and what they're making. And it really leads to more transparency and puts the employee in more power than the employer. Right. It's it's leverage. It's it's gained leverage. Yeah, I've heard of that happening at different video companies. And it it only worked out to the employee. It, yeah, it is it is some of the benefits of a union without actually needing to unionize, right? If you if you know and it's transparent, you can act on it. Yeah. And I think with that we're seeing a world where that is shifting, right? Like we see in the state of New York passed a law that Everyone hiring for a position has to post the salary range, mm-hmm. whereas before it's, it would say something very general, like based upon experience. Right. Whereas, yeah, right. What a scam whereas, that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's only playing into the employer pocket versus the employee pocket. Oh, my God. So, so many, Or they'll make you yeah. like put in the range that you're expecting. It's just, it's right. such trash. Right. But I, there's been like, there's been jobs that I've gone through where they made me do tests and they made me do all these like different, like one, I made a, a, like a 10 page report about like how I would perform the tasks if if given the opportunity. And then it was like, the salary was like a third of what it should be. And it was just, and I didn't find that out until the job was offered. And it was just like, what a waste of my time. Exactly. And And it's, it's wasting their time. It's wasting your time. And so I think, you know, especially in the interview process, if you can get that up front or have those conversations, I mean, obviously not the first interview, but if they are, if a lot of times they like what they gave you, they call it um, a test or, a, you know, a evaluation, things of that nature. That's before filling those out. I think that that's a great place to have those right. initial salary conversations. Which I didn't mind doing the test. The, the test was great because it was actually... It, it allowed me the opportunity to ex- to show off like the actual skills, right. right? So much of job interviews is about like spin and, and uh, you know, you're politicking a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, you have to be able to sell yourself. But it was just like, here it is in plain sight, what I would do in a, in a list and why. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, yeah I, I sort of enjoyed that process. But, you know, the money was... Uh, nowhere near where it should be for the amount of responsibilities, which yeah, I'm happy to pass up then. <laughs> well, you know, I think, again, those organizations, usually those are a little bit newer organizations. Or we see that a lot in the startup culture mm-hmm. and where they're kind of looking for the their perception as running it. Their perceptions, we want the maximum talent for the least amount of capital. Right. And while on paper, that sounds great, that person, if they're that talented, is going to leave immediately. Mm-hmm. And so you're stuck. Your business won't be able to grow. 
you don't really know. And you're going to be stuck in this system of always hiring. And hiring takes a ton of resources and a ton of time yeah. from the employer perspective. Right. Absolutely. Well, we touched on this a little bit in terms of throwing out a ludicrous number, but that's exactly what I talked about with Otini in, in the first clip from this episode. So I think it's a good time to head over there. Great. Another aspect that I, I, I've heard about when asking for uh, a raise is in, in some negotiations, I you, you tell me whether this is ludicrous or not, but there's the old adage that if you come in with like a, an almost ludicrous number, right? Just talking about negotiations, generally speaking, that that can help pull someone from the other side closer to where you actually wanted to be. Is that something that you recommend people do? Or is that not something that did I, oh, did I lose you? Okay. Well, uh, we just had a Hurricane Ian uh, interruption there. But I was just asking you about, generally speaking, uh, I've heard, you know, bringing somewhat of a ludicrous number or or stance in, a, in an argument could help you pull the other person a little bit closer to your side. Is, is that something I, I could also see how that develops mistrust? What are, what are your thoughts on, on doing something like that? Yeah, so that in in our world is called opening extreme. And how extreme you open depends on the nature of the relationship for the reason you just mentioned, because of that trust. So if you are in a negotiation with someone on a beach negotiating for a souvenir that you're never going to see again, it's perfectly appropriate to be extreme, to, to open with something that you know 100% they're never, ever going to agree to because they're doing exactly the same thing to you. And that is expected when I'm never going to deal with you again. It's expected that I might open at 40 and finish at 20. Like that's not crazy in that universe mm -hmm. because there's this expectation of this big giant dance and a lot of steps in between. Now, when, as you move along what I call the negotiation spectrum, where you have more and more of a relationship and more trust, those extremes become smaller and smaller. So if I'm going into a salary negotiation where let's say for round numbers sake, I want to get a hundred thousand dollar salary. If I go in there with 200,000 expecting to finish at a hundred, they're going to go, are you kidding me right now? Like we're not even in the same conversation and go yeah. talk to another company. That is insulting if you just drop your number by half in, a, in five minutes. But on a beach, that's totally cool. Or in the middle of the of an Asian market or in Morocco, maybe that's completely normal. But over here in the world where I need to work with you day in and day out, I need to trust you, it's not so appropriate. But I'm still not gonna open with the number where I expect to finish. Mm. And that's because psychologically, we all expect a little bit of a dance. It's kind of like if someone compliments you on your shoes, it's almost like the most rewarding thing for you to say is, I got them on sale. I got this crazy deal. Yeah. We're so proud of it, right? <laughs> We're so satisfied in sharing that information. So if you open with a number that is slightly higher and you finish at a, a number that's slightly lower than that, they're going to feel super satisfied to go, wow, I got the best deal I possibly could out of this person. I feel so great that I didn't have to spend all of that money but I feel great also that they came down enough to meet me at a reasonable goal. So if I'm trying to hit that $100,000 number, maybe I'll come in at 112, maybe it'll be 109, so that I have that wiggle room to give them the satisfaction that they're hoping for and to anchor them into a world where they're gonna have to work a lot harder to get up to my $100,000 figure, especially if they started somewhere at like 90 or 80 or something even lower than that. So it's the anchoring effect of, this is what we call it in, in negotiation and in psychology, you're gonna put a number in there. It's kind of like an anchor on a boat. 
When you drop that anchor, you're only going to drift so far from where you dropped anchor. That's why boats don't just drift out to the middle of the ocean. So you're doing the same thing by anchoring this higher number. We'll end up somewhere in that vicinity, likely a little bit less than that, so that everybody walks away having done a bit of a dance and a bit more satisfied. But going too far all depends on the nature of the relationship. And I would say use your gut instincts. Does it sound reasonable to drop this amount of time in one conversation or in two conversations? That's where you have to start using your gut instincts a bit because there's no magic formula that I can give people. They always want to know, is it 10%? Is it 15%? The answer is, I don't know. It really depends on who you are, who you're dealing with, what the nature of the relationship is like, and how you think they're going to receive that message. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm curious what what, what it feels like or, or, or how you work with companies that hire you in these negotiation courses or, or uh, activities. I don't, I don't know which word. I'm sorry, my brain is hurricane right now. <laughs> That's okay. We're totally cool. So there's a number of ways that I work with companies, but the way it all started was they would bring me in and say, Hey, we have this sales team or we have this procurement team. Can you help them become better negotiators? Because we're leaking all this profit when they're going and talking to the Walmarts or the trucking companies or any of those folks that they're dealing with. And so I put them through the ringer for a few days. I videotape them. I break it down. I teach them all of these principles around anchoring and opening extreme and what other people are doing and so on. And it's loads of fun. And then, companies went, it's great that you trained our team, but we have a hundred million on the line or we have a billion on the line or we have 7 billion in Yemen on the line. What do we do? What do we say? The stakes are so high. I don't trust my team to do it on their own. And we played with the idea of, is it appropriate for me to enter the room and actually be in the negotiation room on their behalf? But 99 times out of a hundred, it's not appropriate for me to be there because these are usually pretty intense. There's relationships that are built. And when you throw a stranger into the mix, it's kind of like, whoa, what's happening? Who's the hired gun there right now? So I do a lot of coaching behind the scenes. We do a ton of role playing. You know, I'll prompt them and ask questions and, and make them be much more robust in the way that they ask for proposals and thinking about elements that they might not have thought of before. What happens if? How can we prevent that? So really thinking about some of the conflict management stuff and, the, and drill into them about who it is that they're dealing with and what I expect their reactions to be and all of that kind of stuff. So it's taking information that is in their brains and giving them some objectivity around how to handle that information more appropriately. And then, of course, my favorite thing to do is to do keynotes for folks. So now I get hired in and they go, can you come speak at our national sales conference or can you come speak at this massive association event and just give people like an hour's worth of a dose of edutainment, you know, some education yeah. in an entertaining way. And that has now become the most satisfying way for me to work with people because I get to give them a few of these actionable little easy tips that they can implement into their lives right away. And years later, people will email me and go, your, your, your words are still ringing in my ears. I managed to get this much of a salary range, or I managed to get, you know, my spouse to agree to go on vacation here or whatever <laughs> that, that moment is. I get word about a lot of divorces and stuff too. Oh. Um, but it's so much more rewarding to be able to get down to the individual level on a massive scale like that. And that's one of the reasons why the book came about too. And, you know, in the future, there'll be more online courses and opportunities for folks to, to learn without me as well. Yeah. I love that. I oh, mean, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> like it really it does. Is. Yeah. I mean, I get to play and uh, the pressure is off. So because it's not my money on the line, I know this sounds really terrible, but I get to be a bit more objective versus mm -hmm. if it was my negotiation, it's harder for me to not get emotional. Mm -hmm. But because usually I'm not giving people anything so revolutionary. A lot of what I'm saying is common sense and people will nod their heads and go, oh yeah, that makes total sense to me. But when you're in the thick of this highest pressure scenario, when the stakes are really high, 
common sense isn't so common. And so it's useful to have this objective person who can see things in a slightly different light than you can when the going gets tough. And that's usually my role to serve in those situations. I was just having a conversation the other night with a friend who's also a, a body language specialist. And so he gets sucked into some of these same types of situations that I do. He gets to play observer in the room and or on the phone rather. And, you know, I, we were just kind of joking about how we end up being cheerleaders most of the time. It's just giving people those pep talks that transferring them into that I'm excited mode. Like you can do this. We prepared so well for this. That's yeah. so much of my job when I'm doing the, you know, the consulting high stakes stuff. Oh man, that's awesome. As you were describing what these look like, I started thinking of the show. I don't know if you've seen it, the rehearsal on HBO Max. Where no, but I'm of, intrigued. Oh yeah. So it's a comedian. He tries to recreate down to the detail of like building replica bars. You, you really might like it. And, and he tries to run people through scenarios where they have to disclose something uncomfortable about themselves or, you know, it's more like talking to a sibling or something like that, but it sounds like something you might be interested in. Fascinating television. That is, that sounds really cool because that's so much of what I do. So like I will work on a group with role playing and we'll go through this. Okay. If they say this, what are you going to say? And what if I answer this way? And then we'll do a debrief. As soon as their meeting's over, they'll call me and they said, Fotini, here's how it went. And, and right when they said this, we knew exactly, it was like exactly how you predicted. And when they said that we were ready for this and people are so joyous when they know that they have prepared so well for it. And it just takes that little bit of role play to go a really long way. I love that. That's great. Yeah, that must be great to get phone calls like that. I'm curious about your book. What is it? Tell me about is, is it more just negotiating or I'll stop guessing what it is and just let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> so HarperCollins came to me one day, they had seen some videos of me online and they went, we think you have a book in you. And I was like, okay, but there's already five other 500 other negotiation books. Why another one? And they said, we think you have a voice that people need to hear. And the reality is there have been so many books out there with some really great gems in them. And then there's always a few things that I go, that would never work for me, whether it's from experience or from research on, on bias and negotiation. And so if you don't have the, if you're not an older white man with white, you know, with white hair and perhaps an FBI badge, maybe some of these language tricks don't necessarily work. And so my mission and everything that I do is not to serve one audience, it's to serve all audiences. And so it is not even just about whether you're male or female. It's not about whether you're marginalized or not. It is how do I find the on-ramp versus the stairs? Because the privileged class can use the stairs, the able-bodied of us, but everybody can use the on-ramp. And so that's what this was meant to be for everybody. And it's not just whether you're in corporate negotiations, because one of the, the titles we were playing with was from boardroom to bedroom, because they're just as useful at home as they are mm -hmm. in the workplace. For those who have children, they, were they will find tools in this book that will help them survive the terrible twos and beyond. It is something that is meant to help you in every single type of negotiation that you face. So I break it down in the early parts of the book and talk about different types of negotiation. And then as the book goes on, I talk about things like power. And then I talk about communication tools and give you some insights as well as some little tiny specific nuggets that will help get you through those difficult conversations. So we start with the mindset and then we finish with the practical tools. And it really was just built on my workshops, the stuff that I walk people through over three to four days when I go through the really intense stuff. So whether you're preparing for a negotiation with your partner about where you're going to live or you're, you're preparing for that big salary negotiation with your new employer or maybe you're selling your business and or you're bringing on a new 
new corporate partner of some kind, it'll have tips in there for every single person out there, no matter what group you come from, no matter what your background is. It's not meant to be super academic or super businessy. It's just meant to be like lifestyle means like meets life skills and hopefully it helps everybody. Oh my goodness. I'm downloading. I'm going to download this the second this conversation <laughs> is over. That sounds so interesting and helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Can we talk? I know you've got a lot on your plate. You've got work. You've got friends. You've got family, pets. You've got the people that you make small talk with at the coffee shop or gym. You've got that bird that you see when you wake up every morning outside your window that you've projected things onto. Look at that bird. Doesn't even love its family. It's always by itself. You do that. Everyone does that. Point is, you've got a lot on your plate. Well, that's why there's Instacart, to take a little bit off your plate. Using Instacart, you search for all your favorite foods and things that you need from the grocery store, all online, all while you're looking at that bird, wondering why it hasn't called its mom. And they deliver it to you. They go to the store and do the shopping for you. And they can deliver it in as fast as an hour. And you can sign up by clicking the link in the description, wherever you're listening or watching. And that's a great way of supporting the show. So it's a great way of supporting this show. It's a great way to make your life a little bit easier because we all know that you have so much going on, like wondering whether that bird judges you back. Not surprisingly, Throwing out a ludicrous number is not in your best interest if you right. want to maintain the relationship. But uh, but like, yeah, there's always like stories online or people post or are people just like talk shit that like I threw out this ludicrous number and it worked out. And it's like, I don't believe you. I don't I don't believe yeah. that at all. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And let's say, I don't know, you you scheme them or you got it in some way. I mean. They're going to find out it, it it's a bad practice in a lot of reasons why, again, <clears throat> most companies, they have ranges that they look for mm-hmm. within positions and these ranges, you can find out for yourself, right? Like a director is usually through these ranges in different industries, right? You know, a lot of industries are capped, you know, I'm fortunately educators in America don't make as much as they should. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, if you are a starting teacher, it's probably these ranges. And whereas if you're in finance, maybe they make more than they should. Mm-hmm. And so you but they either you know what ranges they are for an analyst or a manager and what to really expect within those roles. Right. Absolutely. Another thing that that jumped out and, and this is something that we were touching on in in the first part of our discussion, psychologically people expect uh, a dance, right? That Fotini was mentioning. Again, further instilling in people that if you're just getting a job, do not just accept the first number they throw at you. They're expecting you to come back with like, well, you know, I was kind of hoping and here's X, Y, and Z that this should be, you know, a little bit higher. And so definitely please take advantage of that because uh, you could be missing out. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's the number is good and the negotiations are great within those scenarios. But you also learn a little bit about the organization when you ask for that, right? Like 
How uh, did they respond to my request? Did they take it seriously? What was communication like? How long did it take them to get back to me? Mm -hmm. So even though that it may come back as a no, you're still learning more about the company itself. Good point. And so as an employee, you want to know as much as the employer before going in signing the paper. Mm-hmm. And so if they're kind of like, no, sit down, shut up, here's the number. Well, all right, maybe I maybe I'll take that other offer right now. Right. And so it, it shows a lot about the culture you're going into. Which is so hard to find out about. Like if you don't have a friend that works there, I mean, yeah. Glassdoor gives you some insight, but but let's be honest, mm-hmm. it's it it is more skewed towards people who are vindictive about their, <laughs> that, that want to take shots, right? You're not potentially right. getting like a clear picture, but also I've heard multiple companies posting fake reports to boost their glass door. Uh, I won't mention names there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's, it's not yeah. exactly the, the clearest uh, picture that you're getting to say the metaphor 18 times. <laughs> But this is a direct way to sort of understand if if they're not even going to be respectful and uh, of your time when they're bringing you in, what do you think it's going to be like on a Thursday when things are hitting the fan and and right. you know uh, they're 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 really not going to care about you? So yeah, that's a it's a a clear indication. Yeah. <laughs> so Fotini in this clip also mentioned how a lot of these tools could work outside of asking for a raise and like it could be working in a like for a relationship or uh, a friendship or whatever it is do you i mean do you agree with that i mean uh i it seems interesting to to go to jamie and and i'm going to take a mindset of curiosity about what we should watch tonight <laughs> right right yeah so i think it depends upon the person you know i think in a relationship or anything of that nature it's a little bit easier or a negotiation do we go skiing or do we go to my parents house mm-hmm. and you can be a little bit more open and be a little bit more actually saying where you're coming from and again it goes to the back to this taboo about money and people mm-hmm. not really wanting to talk about money and being like, okay, geez, I don't know. Am I overvaluating my work? Am I undervaluing my work? I don't really know, but I don't really know who I can talk to about it, mm-hmm. or I can't really be that open about it. It's it's that taboo that doesn't allow you the freedom that you could have that conversation with. Well, I just, I think we should go skiing because we saw your parents last weekend. Right. Um, right, right. So I think for, and again, everyone's a little bit different. For me, with with us negotiations in a relationship or a friendship, it's a little bit easier because you have that bond and connection mm-hmm. where they understand who you are at the base. Right. Like, for example, I have a friend who used to be like a, a recruiter, right, Pl- placing people in jobs. And, and so salary negotiation was like a, a thing that happened all the time. And still, like, yeah. I was hesitant to... Uh, pick his brain because of like the money aspect of, you know, you don't want to be judged or uh, one way or the other, or, you know, it, it's just, a, as you said, a taboo subject that really shouldn't be. I mean, like, if you found out a friend made like a crap load of money or didn't make much money, would you treat them differently? Like, I don't, I wouldn't. Yeah. I think society treats them differently. I think, yeah. um, you know, 
where you are in the world, they may look at them differently. I do think people treat people differently, maybe based on money or the perception of money. And I think that that's where a lot of social media plays in where maybe people are acting richer than they are, Mm -hmm. but maybe have terrible spending habits. And I think like, uh, you know, this gets maybe, maybe we need a podcast about money, but, you know, I think that a lot of the way people view money and the way that money works, um, where a lot of people just miseducated and maybe represent themselves that they aren't both pros and cons, both, you know, wealthy to poor, poor to wealthy. The average American is terrible with money. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, we're sure. not we're we're not really taught how to how to do it, how to how to manage it well, and it's it could be hard, right? And so people shy away from what's hard, and so that's why yeah. a large percentage of Americans don't have any retirement savings and and on and on and tons of credit card debt, yada yada yada. Sure, yeah, and it's like, what steps as a society are we doing to break that down to talk about it? And I think the first is to talk about it. Right. And I think that that's, it's the number one taboo subject, I think, is money more than sex, more than anything else mm-hmm. is money. And so any way we can break that, those conversations down, have those open, honest conversations, I think will benefit us. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think it's a good time to go to the fourth and last clip here with Votini. One of life's mysteries is that birthdays always find me unprepared, catch me unprepared. I don't go on Facebook as much, so I I don't notice them as much. But I want I want to express my love and a, an appreciation for friends and family. That wasn't part of the copy. I'm just saying it. <laughs> year after year, month after month, even when I see it coming, I'm not ready. Am I a jerk? Yes and no. <laughs> Why do things have to be so black and white for you? But I've got great news, friends. Introducing monthly card subscriptions from the Cardist Studio. Join the service that delivers the card and the stamp that you'll need to your door. No more errands. Uh, Who wants more errands? I don't know why, but I'm starting to think of errands as a kid's name. Errands, go back to bed. (laughs) Okay, but here's how it works. You choose your categories. From birthdays and celebrations to love and encouragement. Or select their full collections and have those thank you notes and just because cards at the ready. Those ones are always so nice. Like when you get a card for doing something and it's just like a small little heads up. Or or token of appreciation. It genuinely makes you feel really good. And best of all, you would never get caught cardless again. Let me repeat, you'll never get caught cardless again. Try to say that a bunch of times in a row. You'll never get caught cardless again. Monthly card subscriptions from as little as $8 per month for the card and the stamp. Delivered to you. Thecardistudio.com shop subscriptions. And you can use the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 15% off your originating order. I'm curious about what would you say to someone who's about to enter negotiation for for a salary? Like, what's the most important thing that they should know or or think about, right? Like, just to overcome the the self-doubt that they might have. I would go back to asking yourself two questions. Why did they hire me in the first place? 
-hmm. You know, why am I here? Why did I get to this point? There is something that you bring to the table that others don't have or something that is more appealing about you than others. Remind yourself of that because they know it. That's why they're talking to you. So if you can remind yourself of it, your confidence will start to flow back in. That common sense starts to come back into your brain. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is do your homework. So know what that is worth out there in the universe. And if you can go in again with a third thing, it is adopt that curious mindset to go, how do I marry what I'm bringing to the table, what I'm worth out there and have a conversation with them about how to make those two things work. And that mindset will carry you through. That's so great. Yeah. The, the other thing is, you know, a lot of times in this podcast, I always point to resources that people have and resources in, in, in salary negotiation feels a little bit less than, I guess, but there are experts like you and there are resources like your book, just like anything else. So I, I implore people to look, look towards Fotini for, for some help. <laughs> Well, I do. On that note, I do have a resource for people to help build their awareness of their negotiation skills. So on my website at fotiniicon.com slash quiz, you can take a negotiation style quiz and find out if you are an accommodating negotiator, if you are a collaborative negotiator, a competitive negotiator, and so on. And there's pros and cons to each of those styles, but becoming more aware of what's your natural tendency and what are some of the good things and some of the watchouts about those tendencies will help prepare you for that curious mindset as well. Love that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Well, uh, I just want to make sure, you know, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Is there anything you think I'm, I'm missing or uh, any, anything you'd like to add about your book or, or the seminars that you put together? No, I would just say stay tuned. Follow me on socials. At Fotini Icon is my handle on most of them. I do answer a lot of questions all the time on Instagram. So I open up the question box. My DMs are open everywhere as well. I would say keep the conversation going. Like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, when you start talking to others, learning about what are others' expectations for, for your experience level, what are others doing out there, the more you start to learn about how others are negotiating, the better you're going to become at it. The more aware you are that there are opportunities out there, the more likely you're going to put yourself in those opportunities and you're, you'll see that the rewards start to pile up so quickly and it's not just about finances it's it is sure it's great to get more you know salary in your pocket that can make years of early retirement just in one single negotiation from what we've learned over lots of research but it's also reducing your stress how can you make sure that you are negotiating things like deadlines, that you're negotiating workloads, that you are using some of the tools in my book and some of the resources that I put out there to help you make sure that you're making your life more bearable and more enjoyable every day? There are opportunities outside of just the financial ones that you can negotiate. So negotiate your stress levels down, increase your wealth. There are so many things that you can do when you just feel empowered to go after what you want. That's a beautiful message. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed uh, this conversation and, and thank you for hanging in there with the uh, interruption we had from uh, Hurricane Ian here. I hope everybody stays safe during Ian and beyond. And uh, like I said, the floodgates are open in terms of the communication channels. I hope everybody does stay in touch and I look forward to hearing success stories from those who are listening to today's podcast. Love it. Yeah. So to pretty much wrap everything up, Fotini talked about the top three things that everyone should know when negotiating or, or, or asking for a raise. Remember why they hired you, do your homework and have that curious mindset and you should be all good. I mean, that, that seems like a, an easy reminder to uh, just put those three things together and, you know. Yeah, and I think just final one is believe in yourself. You know, you got mm. to this point for a reason. You, you look at the pipeline of 
number of people they have to interview before they finally select you. I think the average is like 24 people before they finally get one for mm -hmm. a role. So believe, you know, believing in yourself that you've gotten this far and that your worth is worth it. Right. I, I took the quiz on, on Fotini's website that mm -hmm. determines what kind of negotiator I am. And I, I'm not surprised by this, but I am a compromise negotiator, mm. which I'll read a few sentences. Compromisers are assertive, though they also want to get a resolution quickly. Thus, compromising often involves one or both negotiator settling for far less than they want or need. And there's like on and on and on. But I, I think that pegs me pretty good. <laughs> just, yeah. Just... <laughs> But I was, was taking that quiz, but I definitely want to. Yeah. yeah, you should. It's just right on our website. Yeah, you can find yeah. it on our social media and and give it a shot. And it gives you a lot of things to like work on and and just it, when you know things about yourself, right? Or or you can see these ten like I can everything that she's writing about here. I identify with and and it, that's good to have in the back of your mind when you are entering these negotiations uh whether it be asking for a raise or trying to figure trying to figure out a way to go skiing to use your right, example. right. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for, for coming on with me here I, i'm wondering if there's anything else you, you'd like to mention about asking for a raise or negotiating or, or your organization like where people can can find your organization no i think you know again i always say the best way is just to prepare. And so spend that frontline time, whatever you need to prepare, whether it's rehearsing the words you want to say, or having all of your accomplishments written down, prepare yourself for those situations. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, even if you don't need it that time, I mean, it's just the Asking for a raise is a thing that only comes up every so often in life and, and yeah. even going through the motions of it is good because it's good practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Nice, nice catching up with you and uh, I'll talk to you Same. soon. All right. Take care. There it is. I hope you feel it charged up, charged up. I hope you feel like you have the tools to ask for a raise. If, if you think that, that is something that you're ready for. You know, you're early in the year. It feels like that's when a lot of the conversations have, right? People, a lot of companies have their annual reviews in January through March. And, and so make sure you're prepared. Thank you so much to Fotini. Thank you to Matt. Yeah, really great stuff there. Always, always like doing episodes where I can really give practical advice to people to help them with their day-to-day -day lives. So yeah, that's awesome. Before I get to the weird thing causing me anxiety this week, I want to remind you of the sponsors. There's the Buy Me A Coffee link in the description. Just a way to make a donation to the show. Always appreciated. There's the Pure Spectrum CBD with the promo code ANXIETYPOD, which will give you 15% off. If you want to sign up for grocery delivery through Instacart, you can do that in the link in the description. By doing it that way, you're telling Instacart that this show sent you, which helps support the show. And then there's the Cardist Studio with the promo code ANXIETYPOD for 15% off your first order. So yeah, thank you so much to all the sponsors. Okay, so the weird thing causing me anxiety this week. On Sundays, I normally play beer league hockey. And usually one game. But I was asked to sub on another team this week. <laughs>
And I was just, I mean, normally, uh, even in one game, I, I just don't have the energy. And, and I am just sucking wind. It's 12-minute periods. A normal hockey game is 20-minute periods. You know, and it's beer league, right? Like, it's it, nothing matters. But I don't know. I, you just get so tired. So I was just nervous and anxious the, all day leading up to the two games because I was just like, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up, which has happened to me in the past year. <laughs> so embarrassing to come back to the bench and have to throw up <laughs> because I'm so out of shape. But, yeah, I just did the best I could, and I am sore to holy hell here. But I'm alive. I even look tired. But yeah, that's the weird thing causing me anxiety because, and it's weird that it was causing me so much anxiety because it matters. Like there's no, like take a microscope and, and zoom in and that's how much it matters. But I was just getting anxious. I guess, you know, it's never fun to feel sick or feel like you're gasping for wind or, you know, breath, whatever. But yeah, now I'm just all sore, getting old. You're like, we know. You you rant about your back arthritis every episode. <laughs> well, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Bye.